listening to Emmaus Footnotes. My name is Melissa Lester, and this is a production of Emmaus Church Community, located in Lincoln, California. We are in the season of Lent, and now, depending upon your denominational affiliation or your religious background, you might not be super familiar with Lent. Don't worry, different traditions will focus on different aspects. But I will say this, the essence and the purpose of it is to recognize and be aware of our need for God. Embracing a fast and even a different sort of rhythm in the days, 40 of them excluding Sundays, up to Easter has served Christians, uh, myself definitely included, by deepening our understanding of the cross and growing, growing in our understanding and our awe of the resurrection. And here, we want to support such an experience for you. So on Emmaus Footnotes, in this series, we have gone into the archives to find some of our best resources to encourage you in the season of Lent as you recognize your need for Jesus. In today's episode, we pick up with an excerpt of a message by Pastor Nathan Oates. He's talking about Jesus' own time of fasting for 40 days in the wilderness that took place just after his baptism. That's in Matthew chapter 3 and 4 if you want to go back and look at that. The main question here has to do with Jesus' identity. What can Jesus' temptation here teach us about our own identity? Let's listen in. It's kind of both at the same time. It's kind of both at the same time because what happens in the wilderness is a series of temptations which serve as tests that reveal the truth A series of temptations that serve as tests that reveal the truth. The truth about what specifically? The truth about the identity of Jesus. Certainly in varying degrees, everyone in this story, there are three characters. There is the spirit, there is Jesus, and there is the devil. They all in varying degrees, they know the true identity of Jesus. And yet, has his identity ever been tested? Hmm. I don't think it has. Has it ever been tempted? Like, has he ever actually undergone any temptation that would reveal the truth about what is declared about him? Has he stood up to real temptation? Because that's the real test. That's the real test. In other words, in order to know for sure, you got to put a claim to the test. The test will reveal the truth or look at it from a shadow side. The temptation will reveal the truth. For example, uh, in order to prove whether or not you understand basic algebra, your math teacher gave you a test, right? And that revealed the truth of the, the degree of your comprehension. Another example, you may feel like you're in pretty good shape, but if you go and run a 10K tomorrow, that will reveal with clarity for you and for others what kind of shape you're actually in. It's a test. It'll reveal the truth. Another example, you and I may believe that we're really committed to helping others. But the truth is revealed in the way we manage our time and our money. And both, you know, the way that we respond to the temptation to spend our money on that or to buy another one of those, or gosh, it'd just really be nice to have, and versus giving money to those who are in clear need, that proves the truth, that reveals reality. At a way that nothing else can. In other words, 
And this is important. Temptation is not just about trying to get somebody to do something bad. Okay? Temptation is not just about trying to like get somebody to do something bad. Temptation is about getting to the truth of who you are. All right. Here's the first observation. The clarifying question in this story, the clarifying question in my story, the clarifying question in your story, not the only question, but a remarkably clarifying question, is the question of identity. Is the answer to the question, who are you? Isn't it interesting that Jesus' ministry begins with baptism and ends essentially with the Last Supper? In baptism, Jesus' true identity is declared with clarity. This is my son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. And then at the Last Supper, this time in his own words, Jesus says, this is my body. It's broken for you. This is my blood. It's shed for your sins. In other words, uh, Jesus is saying, this is who I am. I am am the beloved son of God, broken and given for the healing of the world. He's clear on that critical question of identity. And because his identity is crystal clear, who he is is clear, everything he does, all the other things get clarified. He knows what he's supposed to do. This clarifying question, it is the identity question. If you get this question right, all other lesser questions fall into place. All right, that's the first observation. Here's another. Because knowing who you are is so clarifying, because knowing who you are is so simplifying and so freeing and so empowering, the most intense battles of your life will rage around this question of identity. The most intense battles of your life will rage around this question of identity. They will question identity. They will challenge the idea of identity. They will attack the question of identity. In other words, who am I is the battlefield. That's where the war is fought. The question of identity is the focal point of temptation. All the voices in this story of Jesus' baptism and temptation in the wilderness are speaking to this question of identity. All of the voices are. The voice of the Father declares the truth. This is my Son. That is a declaration of His identity. I love him, followed almost immediately by the voice of the devil, challenging that very assertion, if you really are the son. So we're going to look at the specific temptations of Jesus more in the coming weeks, but I want you to see that these are not random temptations. This is not Satan just trying to trip up Jesus, just trying to trick him, just trying to get him to do something bad. These temptations are are very focused on, specifically and intentionally focused on tempting Jesus to distrust what the Father has already declared to be true about who he is, about his true identity. They're identity focused. This is where the battles rage. All of the voices in this story are speaking to the question of identity. We might say all of the voices reaching Jesus's heart are speaking to the question of identity. And I would suggest the same is true for us, friends, that all the voices really reaching and penetrating into our heart are addressing, speaking to this question of identity. In other words, when the noise kind of quiets down late at night before you fall asleep, the chatter of the day finally begins to quiet down before you fall asleep. The voices that are still discussing in your head 
the, the feelings that are still kind of pulling in your heart, they're speaking to this question. Yeah, there, there are lots of challenges, lots of tough things in life, lots of little annoyances, but the battles, the real battles, the most difficult things, the things that are really ripping at your heart today, the things that pack an unusually potent emotional punch in you today, the reason they are such a war inside of you is because they are about your identity. They are confronting, they are calling into question the fundamental claim that you are a beloved child of God. This is how it sounds. It's my Satan impersonation. <laughs> I'm, I'll just try to do the content. But essentially it goes like this. Are you really? I mean, you actually believe that God loves you. Are you sure? Are you sure about that? I mean, because it doesn't really look like it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just observing that your life has a variety of issues, which I could point to, to uh, support my, you know, suggestion that perhaps you're really not that special and not loved by God. I mean, look at your life. Look at the situation you're in. Is this how God treats his kids? What's it been? Like, uh... 40 days, Jesus, since you ate something? What's that about? The Spirit of God brought you out here? What's it been? Like 40 years, Israel, since you've been wandering around in the desert? You were led here by God. Oh, okay, sure. He delivered you for, oh, that's working out real well, isn't it? Yeah, you should trust him, because clearly he loves you. You're his children. You're his chosen ones. Okay, okay, let's just assume he loves you then. Uh, why don't you prove it? Why don't you do something that demonstrates that God actually is blessing your life, that he is actually for you? Why don't you, why don't you do something? Friends, it's because... Knowing who you are is so clarifying. It's because knowing who you are is so simplifying, it's so freeing, it's so empowering. The most intense battles of your life will rage around this question of identity. They will. Yeah. The voices in your head, the voices that reach your heart, they are countering what God has already declared to be true about who you are. God has declared his love for you with clarity. The adversary's um, strategy is to just try to confuse that, is to confuse that. All right, so here's the final question Who will you believe? Whose voice wins? God says, you are my child. I love you. And the adversary says, oh, come on. Doesn't look like he loves you. So who will you believe? Who will I believe? Friends, it's important for us to understand that Jesus' life is not just about his life. Jesus comes to show us how to live. Jesus comes to rescue what's being lost. He comes to restore what's being broken. 
And so there's a demonstration happening for us here. It's not just about Jesus. Can anyone think of a time in the Bible when the devil tries to confuse people about what it is that God has said? Can you think of a time like that? Adam and Eve, right? Genesis chapter 3, right in the beginning of the Bible, it says like this, here's the creation story. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He, referring to the serpent, said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So God has just expressed goodness and truth. This is all for you. It is out of an overflow of my goodness that I created all of this. And the adversary counters by questioning God's goodness and by twisting the truth. By twisting the truth. And Adam and Eve believe the serpent. They give in to temptation. They fail the test. They prove that their allegiance to God is not as strong as their allegiance to themselves. And destruction ensues, because it always does, because sin leads to death. It always does. The world is good at the start, but then everything gets broken. And then, fast forward to the second major act in the Bible, from Genesis 3, now to uh, Matthew 4, the second great showdown with evil. And you've got this, who Paul, the, the man who Paul calls, the apostle Paul calls Jesus the second Adam. Did you know that? He calls Jesus in several places the second Adam. Oh, there's something going on here. This is like a second part of the story. And the second Adam comes to reestablish the kingdom on earth. He comes to put things back together. He comes to bring order to chaos, to restore all things. That's why the second Adam has come. Now, the garden of Adam and Eve, it's become a desert. But in this second great showdown with evil, this new man, this second Adam, believes the words of the Father. This is my son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. The second Adam believes the Father. It's it's really all he does. He believes the Father. And in believing the Father's words, Jesus proves the truth of who he is. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. He demonstrates why he's come. To overcome evil. To put broken things back together again. To rescue us from our own sin. And yet there's even more. He shows us how to live in this temptation, in this season of testing. He shows us how to live. He shows us that true life and freedom and purpose, it comes when you choose to believe the Father's words. It comes when you believe what the Father has said. That's true. It's true because the Father said it was true. I don't know. I know some, but I don't know all of the battles that are raging inside of you today. I don't know all of the pain and the, the conflict. But I believe that the critical, practical question that you should try to answer today is, who will I choose to believe? Who will I choose to believe today? Who will you believe today? 
May God give us all strength to believe the truth that we are loved by Him. Thanks for listening to Emmaus Footnotes. Find us online at Emmaus.Church. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at melissa at Emmaus.Church. We will see you next time. You've just listened to episode number 28.